Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the End of the Us podcast. That's by Joe Moore presented by Belly Up Sports. Join today's episode, Patrick Gruska. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from No Credentials Required to talk to you about one of our newest partners at Belly Up Sports, SeatGeek. Yeah, live sports is great on television, but the feeling of being at the arena is a priceless experience. That's why our friends at SeatGeek are there to help you find the best tickets at the best prices. Not only can you get tickets to sporting events, but you can also get tickets to concerts, comedy shows, musicals, and more. Search for your desired event now at SeatGeek.com, enter promo code BELLYUPSPORTS at checkout, and you save 20 bucks off your first purchase. SeatGeek. Life's an event. We have the tickets. So how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. It's a beautiful day. I can't complain. I'm in downtown Chicago right now, and uh, yeah, just enjoying myself a little bit. A bit of a break before the uh, next round of EU Racing, which is, I believe, Boone Forest Rally in the end of September? Yep, we got about, I think, three weeks until we have to start start heading out for that event, so I'm super psyched about it. Um, it's a one-day event, so it shouldn't be too taxing, but uh, I'm uh, really excited. I love Kentucky as a whole, and the roads seem very nice, so I mean, there's nothing to complain about, especially a rally that, is, that I hope is going to be well put together. I didn't have much much input into the event, but they asked me for my opinion on some of the roads, and, and I saw some of them, and they look incredible. I, I don't know if you've looked at the entry list for that event or not. Are, uh-huh. are you a bit worried about uh, your old arch nemesis and the Subaru WRX STI, the one that Semna just got rid of being driven by Connor Martell? Am I worried about it? I mean, I'm, uh, I don't know. I haven't seen Connor Martell ever on a rally stage. I'm, I'm sure he has done some before. And he, I mean, he's a fantastic driver. He runs the electric E class or uh, the, whatever they call it nowadays. Uh, shoot. Groupies. The E class in, in Nitro, and he's a fantastic driver. So, you know, of course, that's always a threat. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it'll all come down to when we sit down on the stages, and, and, you know, stage rally takes a lot more than just sort of uh, the same thing as track driving, you know, not to bash track drivers. Of course, they're, they're fantastic drivers, but here you're fighting and every corner you see is different. So it's a little bit different, but um, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I'm glad he's coming out. I'm, I've been, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting him formally yet, but I've seen him at Nitro and I, I think I introduced myself, but uh, it should be a lot of fun. And and just so you know, he has driven rally before. I don't know how many, but I know he did drive one event in the CRC in David Higgins' old uh, STI. Okay, well, there you so go. How did he do? Was he, was he winning or? Yeah, he won. I believe so. Or I believe he either won or he had an issue that forced him to retire, but he was leading as far as I remember. Well, if he won, if he won, then he's a fantastic driver. If he had an issue, then it's not really his fault. You know, it's it's not something that you can really control. But I'm sure he's a great driver either way. 
<laughs> it, it'll be a fun battle i think if he if he can actually manage that car it'll be a fun battle to see you two battle it out because he's a bit more of a driver he doesn't have as much experience in the car obviously as brandon did which was and compared to your r5 it's not a fair battle but with the driver like martel behind the wheel no shot against him but it'll be a bit more fair in some ways oh well, see, I've been watching the, the VSC video about the new car. I actually just finished the last episode a little bit ago. And I saw that he was the development driver for the car. So, I mean, I'm sure he has some experience and a lot of knowledge behind those cars. So, it'll be exciting to see how he does on a rally stage, especially a one-day one where you don't really have room to make mistakes. And you sort of have to push right out the gate to, to set good times. And, you know, I don't really know. I haven't been in a rally car for for, for a while now. I mean, uh, since Maine, after the incident that happened, unfortunately, and and coming into uh, Nitro Cross and things like that, I don't think I've competed. I miss Minnesota, so I'm a little bit out of out of shape in the rally car. But um, yeah, we'll see. As you just mentioned, you missed Ojibwe this past weekend, or was it this past? Weekend? Yeah, it was this past weekend. <laughs> um, you missed Ojibwe this past weekend to do the Nitro Cross event two weeks ago. Yep. Was that an easy decision to skip the event, or? Uh, for us as a team, we sort of came to the conclusion that we have enough points where we can skip another event. And uh, another thing from that that sort of stemmed is that we couldn't really properly reprep the car because we had, I think, if we did every event that we wanted to, it'd be three weeks back to back to back of just constant traveling. I mean, we went from Wisconsin Porsche Cup uh, to then going to Nitro Cross, which, where we picked up the car two days before it was ready had our guys sort of take a look at it where they found out that they had to replace the cage because it was bent. Uh, so they, they did that, they replaced the cage and that was really the deadline of what they could look over in the car. And the car just got put into a trailer right away and started making its way down to Utah. So uh, we didn't really have time to really focus on the Hyundai in between all those events. Cause there was just a lot going on. And, and for us, it just sort of made sense to sort of skip out on it because uh, not only that the car wasn't reprepped, but there were also some concerns that we had with the series after 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 Maine, and and we just sort of wanted to wait and see what their response would be and and what type of changes would be made moving forward, and and uh, yeah, that sort of just sort of constituted our our decision to to miss that event. What made you decide to do the Nitro Cross event? It just seemed like a no brainer. I mean, I I wanted to do Oklahoma. But it was, I think it was really close to Ohio. And I just sort of made the last second decision, like, let's do it, you know? And we just couldn't find a car fast enough that was ready to go. There were no prepped cars ready. We, we reached out to Bach 40, to Ericsson's OMSE, and they just didn't have one prepped for us. So they didn't have one prepped, period, not for us and specifically. But they just didn't have one. So we sort of uh, set the goal to set out for, for Utah. And we had a little bit more time to prep for, for a car. And uh, yeah, I was just super excited. It's a different format of racing. I've never, I've never really done something like that where it's sort of door to. Well, I've done karting when I was younger, but I've never done door to door professional racing where it's on a track. You have high caliber competitors, and all the cars are the same. So this time, I'm I'm not in a disadvantage where I'm too tall and too fat to get into a car and be competitive because at the end of the day, you know, this has a little bit more flexibility and things like that. So, did you enjoy your uh, Nitro Cross debut? I had a blast. It was awesome. I mean, to be honest with you. We went in with a mindset. I haven't sit in the car. I've done zero testing before the event. Uh, the only testing that we had was an open, open tarmac sort of feel. It was just like a plot of plot of tarmac where we took the car out there, and all the electric cars and some of the the light cars had a chance to the night the next car, sorry, had a chance to sort of get a little bit of a shakeout in and 
I sat in there, I tried to throw the car around a little bit, see what it what it does. And jumping in from a turboed engine into a naturally aspirated engine is it felt weird. It took me a little bit to sort of get used to the power band and um how the car handled and especially with it being a rear engine car, you know, no stability in the front. So you have to you have to find traction in the front, lose grip in the rear. So it, it sort of uh, does what you want it to do. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I mean just the environment that I was held in uh, as a festival style. It's something that I really want rally to sort of shift into as well, because you got vendors, you got tons of people coming in and uh, you had nitro circus there doing backflips on dirt bikes and live music going 24 seven. I, I had a blast. It was, it was really cool. Tra- Travis and Brad and, and all those guys at nitro cross and nitro circus put on a, an amazing show. And uh, it's, it's wonderful to work with them. So I have no complaints about that either, but really fun events to even just watch from um, on TV and such. Even though I already know the results two, three hours beforehand, it's still a blast to watch. Yeah, I think I think that's what Travis's goal was with uh, with this series was to sort of make it where if you're not there, you can still watch and have a great time, and and if you are there, you have an all around fantastic experience. You end up. Your family there, children were there everywhere. It was awesome. They were enjoying themselves. They were watching the cars uh, jumping over the massive gap jump, 130 foot, or, or the guys doing backflips. So it was awesome there. I mean, it's it's hard to really complain. They had they had the I forget what they call them gel blasters for sale everywhere. I mean, they were they were having a blast out there. I can guarantee that. Nitro Cross is just Travis Pastrana just going to well, pretty much is. It's just his brain, just like okay, this is what I want to see happen and i'm just gonna make it happen some way i'm gonna figure out how to do it well yeah when i when i first showed up there and did my first track walk i sort of walked over all the jumps i did i did both of the lines because the extreme e-line or, or not sorry not the extreme e, forget their name man groupie groupie there we go the groupie cars and and our our class and the side-by-side class have a different line so that we don't do the gap jump because the cars aren't really prepped for that but when i when i went up to the group e jump and i was like this is insane like how do they even do this even that that tabletop in the back that i i like first walked up to it i'm like this is huge i mean 80 foot between takeoff and landing i think plus minus is crazy and these cars don't have a lot of power and before that you have like these tight and technical corners on on tarmac so it's hard to build up that speed i was like there's no way we're gonna make this and and a lot of the competitors had the same concern but then i came up to travis i'm like uh, actually, they sent they sent out Casper, uh, Casper from Sweden, to do sort of a, a a trial run in a way to see if if he thinks that it's possible to make all the jumps. So he, he did one lap, was a little bit short on the ga- on the tabletop jump, and then like uh, when he came back with the news, we all huddled around. He was like, ah, I was just a little bit short and things like that. But then, you know, I, I stood there next to Travis, took a video of Casper jumping, and he's like, man, this should be flat. Don't pick your foot up. It should be fine. I'm like, all right, Travis, let's see how this goes. You know, I mean, it's either going to work or it's not going to work. So uh, first time around when we hit that tabletop, we were a little bit short, I think like maybe five, 10 feet. And I was like, oh, maybe it is possible. I just sort of have to let the car go out a little bit wider, build up some more momentum and speed. And the second time around, it, it flew like butter. It was insane. The way that he calculates all these jumps is it's crazy. Well, I He tests them all on a dirt bike, I believe, which I, I sit there and laugh at every time I see him do that, especially when he did the gap jump. I was like, how do you just not face plant into the jump? <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be good. Uh, I mean, I saw, I saw that video too. He posted, uh, took some dirt bike and did the first sort of build up jump and then the, the main gap jump. 
And he was just like right on the edge. I'm like, no way. This is absolutely crazy. I mean, if he's on the edge in a dirt bike like that, then I can't imagine it in these cars. Well, to be fair, they have a lot more power, but I don't know. I, I just like when you're sort of sitting there from outside looking and before even doing it, you're sort of looking at all of this come together. So this is insane. I don't know how any of this works, how any of this, these jumps really defy physics in such a way that you can make them. But, you know, Travis has it, has it mapped out, built out, he has it calculated and then, and, and it works. So just a matter of now building up the courage to hit the jumps. Well, yeah. And it is a track he's used before though, with uh, the old RX cars, the uh, internal combustion cars, because Scott Speed broke his back on the final tabletop jump before the finish. The back to... one? What? The one that we would hit, too, the, the back one that I'm talking about. Yeah, right? yeah, that's the one he broke his back on. Did he overshoot it? or? Yep. Oh, okay. Well, that, that would make sense, because... There, there's a nice gradual sort of uptaking and, and then a landing. So it was, it was nice. But if you really overshot that, it could really, really hurt. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, because I, I remember watching that launch control. And you and I have talked with Dan Ansel uh, about it on an unreleased episode of this podcast. Because <laughs> it hasn't been finished. But uh, yeah, that was it was something else. But that was too. It was a different track design. I think they've added more turns since then in the before that jump so that that didn't happen again. The guys were very limiting over that jump. I noticed. Yeah. The, I mean, I, I have, I, to be honest with you, I haven't watched that much nitro until I decided to make the switch or not the switch, but the addition of nitro into my calendar. Uh, so then when I started watching it, even in the previous years, it didn't seem I don't know if they changed much of the track. I, I know they added a lot of tarmac for this year, which is pretty nice because there, there wasn't much dust and they changed some of the, the dirt texture and the compound of the dirt to make it sort of reduce dust a little more. But um, yeah, I can imagine if you overshoot that jump, it's definitely not a fun day. <laughs> no. And yeah, it was just not great overall. And it was, I think in some ways it kind of opened Pastrana's eyes to say, we need to do more for safety. Like he was already doing a lot for safety, but to have a competitor's back break, that's not fun for him. Yeah, of course, anytime you get into a car, you know, there's a risk and, and everything is calculated in, in these risks. Um, my favorite thing is is watching back the Nicky Lauda movie when he talks about how much risk is tolerable and when it t- t- turns to uh, being borderline dangerous. And I sort of rely on that every time I think about when I get into a car. I mean, if it's a satisfying risk for me. I mean, I'm I'm willing to take it, but once it, it crosses that borderline of you know this is a little bit crazy, I'm I'm out, you know. But um, I I mean safety standpoint, I mean it was incredible. I mean they were talking with the drivers, everything like that, making sure that we're comfortable with how the track is laid out and and where the barriers were placed to make sure that safety is ensured. And if we ever had ever had any concerns, we would approach the organizers. They would listen to our concerns, talk to Travis about it, and Travis would either agree and then make some changes or he would say or give some some advice uh, on what we should do, you know, and and I thought it was fantastic how it was organized, planned, safety-wise, it was, it was perfect. They're incredibly run, great running events. Travis, I know, puts a lot of effort into his uh, napkin drawings, as uh, the Nature Cross president likes to call them. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't seen any of the napkin drawings, but uh, I mean, based on what the pack looks like, he must have drew them pretty well. <laughs> I remember when he um, Brett was on the podcast and he just said that and I just started laughing because 
I'm not even surprised that that's how they're drawn, that if that's the way they were designed, especially the Oklahoma track, because that was an entirely fresh built track. So, from what I've heard is that the Oklahoma track so far has been one of the crazier ones because the drop people don't realize on camera, you can't really see it. At least what the people have told me when the competitors have told me when they were there is that that drop in on camera isn't as intense as it really is in real life. So, uh, I, I, I can imagine. I mean, even Travis said that this is his, is, sort of dream track of combining motocross and and cars and dirt bikes and everything into one you know so it's it's got to be crazy when when you have travis Estrada as a main track builder or the main track designer you're in for a show because it, it's never gonna not be insane it's never not gonna have something insane i remember i had um oliver erickson come on the podcast and he said this was never confirmed but um there was apparently plans for them to do a water gap jump last year. A water gap jump? I haven't heard of that, but I, that would be pretty crazy. They did actually have a water gap jump. It was just not at all what you expect. It was a little pond, a gap jump over it. And it was like maybe a 30-foot gap jump. And it's like, yeah, if anybody ended up in that water. Um... It'd be a very bad day for the for the crew. And for the driver, it, th- there will be a lot of questions asked because there is no way you should have logically been able to do that unless your car just absolutely died before the jump. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> so, what was your favorite part about the Nitro Cross weekend? It had to be the fans. There were a lot of people. The environment was great. I mean, it was nice to come from a rally standpoint where you have a lot of people that come out to these events and and see that sort of maybe not double, but uh, probably double in that, like uh, all in one place. I mean, in rally, everyone sort of uh, comes to park and then spreads out all over all over the stages. But here, you know, it's one centralized location where you can really see the magnitude of how many people come out and watch these events. So that definitely has to be a fun experience. Is it something you want to do again? Of course. I think I'm uh, planning to do Phoenix as of right now and probably run the rest of the calendar. So Phoenix, LA, uh, Canada, and then whatever the TBD is. Uh, that that'll actually be fun, especially if we come to Canada, because I believe I'm meant to be going to that event. It's uh, probably I don't know that I was meant to go last year, but then weather changed that idea, and then <laughs> all, yeah. all I'm gonna say is pack extra warm clothes. I know you live in Chicago regularly, but uh, Alberta cold is a different cold. <laughs> is, is it in Alberta or Calgary? I thought it was in Calgary, no. It's in Alberta. It's in Calgary, Alberta. Okay, got it. I, I'm not familiar with Canadian geography, so my mistake. But yeah, I can imagine it gets cold up there. You know, the further north you go, the colder it gets in the winter. So uh, thanks for the advice. I'm, I'm excited for that race. Uh, as long as we can fit it into the calendar budget-wise and things like that, we'll, we'll try, to our best, try our best to be there. It, it is definitely cold, but last year it was warmer than expected, so I, I don't – I don't have a clue. It's weather. I, I can't predict weather. It's impossible. So on to rally. You're the RC2 champion this season, beating Tom Williams for the championship, who Tom had a lackluster season to describe it the best. And you're also the runner-up for the championship, only to Brandon Semnuck, who's like, I think like 80 or 90 points ahead of you at this point. So, Yep, just about. Um, yeah, the, the season sort of panned out nicely for us. Uh, you know, we, we still came into, I mean, the first season I ever ran in this car. So 
I wasn't having much expectations. I'm still a new driver to the sport. I, you're always learning every time you get into a car, especially that it's, it's different from a testing to a competitive standpoint, you know, it's two different worlds. So um, we came in with, was just sort of a positive mindset that, that we're just going to sort of see how, how things pan out after the first event. And Tom is a fantastic driver and, but he just had some unfortunate events happen uh, with his car. I think at Missouri, his turbo went Washington. He had the incident on the last stage, uh, Ohio, he, he got caught out in a ditch and, and he just sort of had a little bit, the tiny mistakes that sort of add up at the end. So, you know, it's really unfortunate. I, I had a fun time battling him this entire season. I learned a lot sort of driving behind him and, uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's awesome that we won the championship. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, second, second overall, I can't complain about either. I mean, uh, for, for what my third season racing, it's, it's fantastic result. Third season racing and first time in really a car that can compete at the top level. Like I know last season you drove Mitsubishi, but you were still fairly inexperienced with the stages and such. And it was probably not an easy car to drive either. So. Yeah, sometimes sometimes I wonder if I got into that car nowadays, how would I would do? Because you know, the first season I ever ran was a limited to Fiesta, which was naturally aspirated, no turbo, maybe had a hundred horsepower. So you know, you're focused more on momentum and and sort of handling the two wheel drive, front wheel drive aspect of it, and then jumping from that car into the Mirage, which is an open four beast in all honesty, uh, with the turbo and pushing around what three thirty, three forty horsepower and a bunch of torque which we ended up detuning for that season anyways, so I can just handle the car. Um, it still managed to pull, pull out some top tens, top five uh, times and, and results. That's awesome. And and now jumping into this car where we sort of had, uh, you know, podium finishes and, and RC2 podium finishes consistently. Uh, it's cool to see the development of, of how I sort of progress as a driver. And, and I'm curious to see how, how the future pans out and, and things like that. But, um, just a matter of now sort of preparing for the next season, trying to use what I learned this season more efficiently next season and, uh, and uh, seeing how things go. Well, I can, I can say you've grown a lot since the start of the season. Yes, you're still, and no offense to you, but you're still slower than Tom. But in all fairness, Tom has had way more experience in his car than what you have. And he has way more experience competing especially in the RC2 class and in R5s and such. So, Yeah, I mean, of course, Tom has, has tons and tons of experience. I mean, he's raced WRC, uh, I'm sure, uh, the BRC and other series, and uh, he made the switch to come over to, to ARA. But uh, still, he's had a bunch of experience in that car. And to be honest, I, I'd be I'd be sad if he wasn't faster than me, so I'm glad he is. And, and it gives me sort of the motivation to know that that the car can pull out more and it's just a matter of me picking up the, the pace and learning all the little tricks that you can do and what the car is is capable of doing yeah and that's something that'll come with time you can only get better with a car by driving it more and especially on stages testing is one thing but to go out and do it on a stage is completely different because then you can see where you actually stack up against everybody else on the same stage of course of course you know alan's a fantastic driver as well so i hope he comes back for a few more events or, or next season at least um I chatted with him a little bit and he seems adamant about doing more recce in, in, in the WRC, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, uh, I I'm, I'm excited for next season, how it sort of pans out. I don't really know what my plans are yet, but um, it's, it should be a fun year. Because the ARA calendar still hasn't been released yet. So it's kind of hard to completely know your plans for next year, especially when you don't know when events are going to be running. Yeah, that, that's true as well. You know, so 
we'll see. I, I see that Vermont has a new car and they're they're blowing the competition away again. And um, it's like that car is very very well developed, so it's it's cool to see. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. I know Travis is coming back for next year. It's going to be an exciting uh season for sure. It definitely feels weird not having Travis rallying. Like I said that so much this year, it just feels odd not having Travis and Ken out there. And it's yeah, yeah, it, of course. It's, it's with Ken, it's a massive loss, and and Travis taking a step back this season to sort of focus on family and and developing other other series and things like that. So you know, it, it'll be it'll be fun to have uh, Travis back. I mean, he's the father of rally in my opinion here in the states, at least for me, because. Uh, whenever I was growing up, I, I was always watching Travis and and my dad racing, and so it's it's cool to see him coming back again for another year. Travis is definitely missed, and same with Ken. And this season is just this year as a whole is just sucked in a way. <laughs> We've lost so many drivers and competitors. It's it's just been insane. Yeah, it's it's been a tough year for sure. You know, uh, looking at that aspect. But if you look sort of in a in a broad spectrum. Um, the air race still had a lot of great battles with with open two-wheel drive and the regional guys. I love I love seeing that. And even the RC2 guys, when when we some of us would get together, we'd be fighting. I think at Maine at one point we were fighting the top three positions between two three seconds. So you know, still a lot of fun competition in, in the back. And uh, I will see how how things sort of pan out. This season, I will say, was definitely for the ARA. It was a good eye opener for. I guess in some way support championships like the RC2 class and two-wheel drive and limited four-wheel drive and such because it, it brought a lot more eyes to those drivers. Because a lot of the times you wouldn't talk about, you know, say Travis was in the championship this year again and Ken was in the championship. You and Tom's battles would have been probably getting overlooked. Leo would have probably still been getting noticed because she's a 16-year-old who just won a championship in a two-wheel drive car which is incredible as well you know she's a, a young driver still developing into to pull out a result like that especially with such talented and, and experienced drivers in her class i mean that's awesome to see and i mean she was she was competing with you know guys in four-wheel drive cars of oregon she was competing with brandon at some points and it was like huh <laughs> yeah she's very quick I mean, I saw it firsthand at Nitro Cross. So she was kicking my ass the first day, so it was, it was really awesome to see. Yeah, and, and she's an incredible driver, and whatever she decides to do, she will probably succeed in. Yeah, <laughs> I have course. no doubt about that. <laughs> she has the support of her family, and, and I know she has a great team behind her, so whatever. I mean, all the doors are open for her. It's really what she wants to do. Well, yeah, and she's she's done a good job at opening doors for herself with doing extreme and doing nitro cross and doing the air and she has an interest in circuit racing and she has options of what she wants what she can do it's not just rally or nothing for her it's there's options yeah of course which is which is always great when you're young because then you don't get stuck on a path that ends up sucking <laughs> yeah i mean at the end of the day it's whatever she wants to do you know whatever she loves and and I'm sure whatever decision she'll make, she'll, she'll absolutely love it. I hope she does rally and continues to do it. Maybe one day we'll be able to compete in RC2 together. Uh, I'd love to see that. I mean, I'm sure she'll kick my ass, but uh, it'll be, be a lot of fun. I, I uh, Whenever I talk about Leah, I always just think about what Jason Bailey says about her. and Because he always says as soon as she gets into a four-wheel drive R3 or rally three car, 
she's kicking his ass. And and then I just sit there and I think about it to Oregon and I'm like, dude, she already kicked your ass and she's in a two wheel drive car. I mean, we can talk or we can do a whole nother episode about, about talking about Leah's performance this year. And it's, it's fantastic. It's great. And I love talking about it, but it's like, it's, it's just something totally unworldly, but anyway. Um, so if you do compete, cause I know you said you don't know your plans yet for next season, but if you do compete, would you still compete in the Hyundai? Uh, probably. Yeah. I love the car and, and it's the one that we sort of built up our, our part supply the most behind uh, in this car. So I think we're definitely gearing up for another start in, in, in this car. Um, I, I really want to do at least one start in, in the European circuits or ERC or some local championship just to sort of dabble my feet into to something like that and see how that works just so I can get familiar with it. And, um, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting season. I haven't sort of sat down and thought about it or, or chatted with anyone about what I want to do for next season. So it's hard for me to say. But, um, you know, I, I hope that motorsports in America sort of becomes more developed in, in a way where, where more attention and sponsors and things like that will come to the series. But uh, for now, it's hard to say. So because I was going to ask you, actually ask you that, do you have an interest in competing in Europe and the WRC and such? That'd be awesome. I mean, um. I don't know how it's stack up. I think I'm I'm very, very far from the pace that, that the top guys are running in RC2. But I, I'd just be curious to see sort of how things sort of work organizationally out there and, and how much different it is than here so I can sort of bring back a piece of Europe with me. I've been to spectate an event once and saw how it sort of works, but from a competitor aspect, it's it's a whole new ballgame because you're doing, I think it's what, three-day recce, two-day recce, so it's it's a lot more recce. It's, it's uh, the top leagues and and... I, I don't know. I don't have much to say because I haven't been yet. But, um, yeah, it'd, it'd be interesting to see how, how, how it all works. What rally would you be interested most in doing? Well, I, heard w- this season? Yeah, I heard WRC Poland is coming back. So, of course, I'd, I'd love to do that one. I, I don't know how true that is. So, don't get your helps up. <laughs> I, yeah, I, can't, I can't say it's 100% true after talking with Colin Clark about it. But this is also the WRC and anything is literally possible. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, it's the Poland is my family's homeland. So I'd, I'd love to compete there. And uh, there's a lot of people that would like to see me compete there and uh, it'd be fun to do. But um, yeah, if it comes back as a, as a, as an event in the calendar, that's definitely one on, on my watch list for sure to do. Would you do it if it, if it was just an ERC round? Probably. I, I was thinking about doing it this year when I missed, when I missed uh, Oregon Trail because it was at the same time, but um, it just didn't work out. It w- it would be nice to see some of the ARA guys get into the European circuit, and I. It's funny we're talking about this because I literally just finished writing an article about if Brandon Semnuk should get a chance and or drive in Europe for a bit, mm-hmm. and that's coming out later today. So <laughs> that'd be awesome. I'll, I'll look forward to it. I'll I'll read it definitely. Uh, Brandon's a fantastic driver, so I think he could definitely. I think he actually ran an RC two class car once in in Canada, so I'm sure he has yeah. sort of knowledge of the car, how the car works. So I'm sure he could pick it up fairly quickly. Well, no, he drove the he drove an. I think it was, I think it's the exact same R five that Tom's driving right now in the U S for in 2018 and 19 for right. select events, and he and in Canada he drove a. Subaru Crosstrek with Subaru of Canada. 
as far okay. as I remember. <laughs> I, I'm going off of memory, which is very uh, slim. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. I mean, I'm sure he, he'd be fantastic in any car he gets into. Yeah, and it just if he gets the opportunity and if the schedule makes sense for him. Because I know yeah. next year he'll probably want to compete in the ARA again full time. So it's got to make sense for him to logically do that. Because it's a lot more effort to do a rally in Europe than it is in America. Because it's like a four-day event, multiple days. Or, like you need a week just to do that rally. So it's it's something else. But Yeah, yeah. people also forget that, that Brandon uh, is a professional mountain biker. So his, his calendar is definitely packed as well. Well, that's why even I sent the article was it's going to make sense logistically for him to be able to juggle doing mountain biking and rally. Cause I know he doesn't want to miss mountain biking and he doesn't want to miss rounds of the RA. So it's kind of got to work out, but really it never works out. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. But I mean, too, there is always the option of he could skip an ARA round because there's always drop. Points. So yeah, that that is true. So uh, we'll see how how what his plans are and how he develops sort of uh with his calendar and and things that he has and and openings and stuff like that. But I'm sure that that he maybe want to. I I have no clue. I have no clue. So, anyways, we're getting um off of the topic of you and onto topics of other topics. <laughs> but um, so how would you rate your season out of ten? Uh, I think I, I would rate it probably a solid eight out of ten. I mean. I learned a lot, things like that. Uh, we didn't really have any big mishaps, no no big accidents, things like that. So I'm happy about it. Uh, the car's in one piece. And and I think it's sort of uh, the dream season anyone could have wished for. It sort of panned out that that points-wise, we'd be able to sort of uh, run away with the championship. And, and that's exactly what happened. So I, I, I'm happy with it. And uh, I'm excited to see how uh, we work things out for next year and then what we'll be able to do by then. I mean... Hopefully, I'll be a faster driver by then, and uh, and yeah. I I hope next year if you if you do do the full round, do all the rounds of the ARA championship, and Tom does as well to see more of a battle between you two because it it was a good battle when it was going, and then Tom just never had had the luck to be able to keep it up. So yeah, it's 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 just how the 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 sport goes, really. I mean, sometimes you have a good rally, sometimes a bad rally, but uh. You have to remember that at the end of the day, it's a points game, and and uh, it's the person with the most points that wins. Yeah. Being the fastest doesn't always win you championships. Exactly. Oliver exactly. has proved that. So. Yeah. yeah, you have to always approach this sport with uh with sort of a perspective that the the season is very long and lots of things can happen. Well, and of course, things can happen at rallies, and things can happen outside of rallies for example for you missing oregon wasn't necessarily planned until a trailer fire yeah yeah uh yeah the trailer fire was was uh, unfortunate thankfully it wasn't anything too bad so uh we got lucky on that one but uh you know it definitely set us back a few weeks because the parts for the trailer they couldn't come in on time before they put it all back together and certain things like that they sort of just set us back too far but um you know, thankfully, uh, the way that Washington and, and Ohio sort of played out, it didn't really matter if we made it or not. Well, and like I said, too, drop points are a thing. So missing around logically doesn't do much because that can just be counted for your drop points. 
Exactly. <laughs> it kind of works out in the end in a weird way, but exactly. Like if you really think about it, the season has sort of worked out very well in our favor. It's in some ways missing rallies for drop points is good, but in some ways it's bad because then if you, especially early in the season, because then you have more issues and then end up needing more points and then you just missed a rally for drop points. But, you know, I, I'm not a math whiz. I don't do logistical stuff. So. Trust me, I'm not good at math either. But, you know, I know that 22 points is a, is a win and you have to get five of those uh, to lock it in. So we always shoot for that goal. And, uh, you know, we if we don't, then we sort of uh, start doing the more intense math to see where we'll end up. Well, I remember last season when it was a battle between Ken and Brandon. I, did, I would just sit there and I was just doing points in my head. And I was like, so Ken can win this way. Brandon can win this way. And it just all proved for nothing because Ken crashed out. So, Yeah, it was one of those unfortunate incidents, you know. It's sad to think about now, especially considering all that's happened afterwards. And it's like, I, I wish you would have because that would have been something to witness and would have been great but things don't always work out (laughs) sometimes how life goes life is unexpected yeah we've seen it all all this year so that's for sure tell me about it (laughs) everything you expect to not happen happens and then it's like it's it's scary to think about and then as you mentioned earlier the incident with Aaron at Neffer was a freak accident. You have the Craig Berean accident, which was a freak accident. It's like, it's concerning, but you know, Uh-oh. at least yeah. conversations are getting had. Yeah. That's, yeah. You know, I hope that we're taking the right, the right sort of steps into making the sport safer and safer, you know, but at the end of the day, the cars can only handle so much. And once we start getting into the speeds that we're, we're getting into, you know, anything can happen. Yeah. And, you know, I've I've always said this. Jumping into a rally car, there's a there's a risk involved, but they are very safe in in some respect. There's obviously things that can still happen as the season has proved. It is unfortunate that those accidents have to ha- or are the happen for conversations to start to prevent those. You know, I remember seeing KJ Miller's post on Facebook after the accident in Neffer about some of the stuff and I'm like that's not automatically done or uh, yeah you know I, I don't I don't like getting into politics so it's hard for me to say I I I know but what happened was very unfortunate and hopefully that that we all sort of took it and, and grew from it and it's an extremely sad loss for the community and after Neffer we we immediately after we found out that something happened we decided to withdraw from the event out of respect for the family so you know, it's it's sad that it had to, to happen. You know, it's never fun when something like this happens. It's just a bad look for the sport. It's a bad, bad experience for everyone around, you know, and especially sending out my condolences to all the people that, that uh, the family and people who are affected by this, you know, it's, it's definitely a big loss of the community. Well, I didn't know anything had happened because I wasn't covering Neffer because I haven't covered an ARA around since uh, Oregon, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah I, I had no clue what happened until i heard until i seen the dirtfish article and then i was like wonderful and i was like i don't e- i'm not even gonna bother writing about it because a i am i suck at doing stuff like that 
if you want the honest truth, I suck at doing it. The wor- I, I always say this when I'm asked the worst article I've ever written. It's the two articles about Ken Block's passing. They are the worst articles I've ever written in my life. Um, and two, I, I had no clue what to say. I had no clue what happened. I, I didn't want to step on anybody's toes. And I'm like, making an article blasting the ARA isn't going to do any help. So, yeah, especially things like that. It's very tough to write about. You know, uh, you definitely want to be respectful when, when writing about things like that. So, yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah, it's just been, it's been a rough year all around and I can't wait for it to be over and hope 2024 goes a lot better, but anything's possible. I mean, I mean, time will tell you can't stop time. I mean, stuff that happens happens and it is what it is. You can't change what happened. You can only change what the future holds. So exactly. You can only prove, try to prevent things from happening. So this is taking a really somber tone really fast. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Let's get into more joyful stuff. Um, so I know I touched on this at the beginning of the episode, the rallying Kentucky Boom Forest. What what makes you interested in that event? Uh, when I missed the last uh, – when last year I missed uh, Washington after my engine blew up in Missouri – uh, we decided to sort of, after repairing the car in the Mirage, uh, the engine in the Mirage, to sort of make the trip down to Kentucky sort of as a shakeout event before Oregon. And when I uh, made the trip down there and saw some of the roads they had for that that one-day event uh, in McCreary County, uh, I thought the roads were incredible. I mean, I was very surprised that that the ARA hasn't scouted that area out for, for national rally. So, I mean, for me, it was sort of natural instinct that I met the right people down there and I said, hey, you guys should do uh, an ARA event down here. And they were like, oh, we'll start planning for it and and sort of form to be what, what the Boone Forest Rally is today. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what the road road looks like. And uh, I know they have a very forward-thinking mindset for, for events like this. So I'm sure they, they made proper proper sort of uh, regulations and, and things like that for the competitors to really enjoy this this event. I mean... Even planning as a regional event, they they did the liberty of making shakedown on Friday evening so people don't have to skip the whole day of work if they're close. And and Saturday is uh, morning recce and then afternoon racing. So it's, it's really cool what they did. And, and two regional events are nice for, in some ways, rallies to be able to test stuff out. Like you said, the night shakedown. I know some events do that. Um, I'm failing to think of what one does or one's in the late afternoon even. But I know there is one air event that has done that. I just forget which one. Yeah, it's really cool because they sort of plan this event around the competitors. They understand that that some competitors can't make uh, a week-long commitment and can't miss that much work. So they really tried to make it the most cost-efficient. I think the entry list was $200 or something like that, $200 for the, the miles that, that you get for, for the event is incredible. And, uh, you know, it's all very close knit, you know, park expose is a rolling park expose where you sort of drive through town and you, you can stop if you'd like, uh, it's, it's during the shakedown day. So you sort of pass through town, uh, people are lined up, vendors are lined up and you can stop, say hi to everyone, or you can keep going around doing your shakedown runs. So it's definitely a new sort of way of, of thinking about rally in, in the USA, but it's, it's cool. And, and part of me likes to see the innovation because, Standard rally in the USA is fun, but I think really to get attention, 
we need something different than what we've been doing so far. Like, yes, there's a Subaru which brings some attention, but really we haven't brung over much attention that hasn't been from Ken or Travis or Brandon. It's all been kind of their broad attention and really the only fans that have came from outside of those have been people to hear from it from family or friends or whatever throughout the years. Yeah, we'll see how it progresses. I mean, I'm very excited for the event. I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. I know the back rows of Appalachia has been working very closely with the organization and uh, who's been putting together the event and they've been helping out as much as they can. So I'm super psyched to see. I know Backroads does a fantastic job with anything they do. Uh, Eric Hubbard from from there always makes sure that everything is done properly. So, yeah, I'm psyched. If if, if you had to recommend a round of a regional championship of the ARA regional championship to be added to the national calendar, would that be the event you would choose? Uh, I don't know yet. I'll, I'll have to see when I, after the event how how it goes. You know, I mean, every every rally has potential. I've been hearing a lot of good things about Bristol, uh, that that should be added as a, uh, as a national, and and we'll see how this one stacks up to that. I haven't been to either yet, so uh, yeah, I'm excited to see. I mean, uh, we definitely need another another rally within the national calendar, but um, we'll see which one that is at the end of the day. What I would like to see them kind of do for a round is have kind of, in a way, a swapping out round every year, where one year it's, say, a rally in Kentucky, the next year it's STPR, the next year it's somewhere else. I know that's a lot of logistical stuff, but it's also something to keep the route, to keep rallies fresh for competitors and for fans, because having the same rallies every year, even if they're on different roads, kind of does get boring at the end of the day that does sound like a good idea you should talk to uh the area about that that'd be pretty cool to see i i i could text preston but i don't know if he'll accept the idea <laughs> it'd be cool to see i mean uh you sort of switch out everything competitors get sort of new events that they have to do it'd be a, it'd be a cool switch up it'd be pretty cool to see i'd be i'd be in for that it, it would just be fun especially from a fan standpoint because you don't know who's going to you know, you don't know last season's stats about the event. You know, stats from a couple of years ago, but things change in a couple of years. Things change in a year. But at the end of the day, it's something new for dri- drivers and it's something new for fans to watch. And it brings the, and it would allow the ARA to go to more places and try to build up more of a fan base. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, it's a fantastic idea. So, like I said, ask ask Preston about it, and and two. That's why I hope a rally uh, WRC event in the USA happens, but it still seems far. But from what Colin Clark said, they're pushing to have it in twenty twenty five. So yeah, that's another thing. I, I hope that that WRC does make it back to uh, to the US. I mean, I think it's silly that they don't have one of the bigger markets for sales for some of the manufacturers to to not host an event here. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about logistics and, and planning and, and making sure the right people put in the right place to, to make it happen. Yeah, it, it's a lot of work. And that's even what I said with Colin. It was, it's a lot of work to host an air or a WRC event compared to what it probably is to host an ARA event. It, it's just a lot of more logistical stuff. Everything has to kind of go right for it to work out. So, yeah, of course. I mean, 
even to do an ARA event takes tons and tons of volunteers who sacrifice the time and and uh, come out to help host these events. So it's a massive thank you to them to, to keep our series running. And without them, none of our rallies could really happen. And just to think about how many more volunteers it takes to put on an event of the magnitude of WRC, it's definitely a lot more. Something that I would like to see the ARA do, and I'm being honest here, and they used to do it a couple of years ago, is have an event in conjunction with the CRC. I know there's a lot of logistical stuff like border crossing, which is really difficult to get, but that would be super fun to see. Uh, I think the ARA actually did that the first year that it came into fruition when the ARA was first founded, is that they did yeah. sort of, they couldn't get snowdrift over onto their calendar. So what they did was run one of the Canadian championships, which is cool to see as well. I mean, if we are a national championship, we got to go through, you know, all, all, all three countries, I think, but it'd, it'd be very hard to have make happen with, without the, the sort of large audience behind it. Well, and, and like I said, it's, the logistics of having a border cross too. I know there's a lot of logistical stuff there. That's why it's not common to see guys jump a border to do something, but it will be fun to see, especially even for like one year or something as kind of a one-off event or whatever, but yeah, it'd be cool. I'm all in, I'm in for it or whatever. You just kind of go with the flow, don't you? <laughs> I'm, I'm a very go with the flow type of person. I, try to plan as least as I can, which sometimes is a good thing and sometimes a bad thing, but you know, uh, life's too short to be micromanaging everything. Well, well, when we were scheduling this, I was just like, when you said whenever you want, I'm like, normally I have the person I'm interviewing schedule it. So I don't have to, because my schedule is literally like an open book and it's like, <laughs> uh, it's great, but yeah, you tell me when I'll make time whenever I like, I'm like, it's easier for me to make time for me to do this than it is probably for you to make time because I know you're busy with other stuff. So I'm like, yeah, I'll just save. I'll just kind of say whenever you're available and do it then because my schedule is open. So. Yeah, at the end of the day, it always works out. So you know, I'm glad we could sit down here, chat a little bit about, about me, the, the sport in general, and how things have progressed this season. It's always fun. It, it, it's it's fun because it's been a while since we've actually talked like like we said before we haven't talked since olympus really like i know i wished you happy birthday but that was it yeah you know a lot, a lot has changed from then to now you know we've progressed both and it's awesome to see man also i, I do have a question for you so i don't know why i said that but anyway how old are you i just turned 20 i turned 20 in maine i were older than that <laughs> <laughs> thank you well i don't know if i say thankfully or sadly you know I, i'm i'm a beautiful 20 i've made it on my teens successfully and alive so that's that's always uh great uh, especially with the things that we've been doing recently it's it's cool uh that we made it this far and uh yeah i'm, I'm excited it's definitely i think uh, what do they call it the, the golden eras of of your age right now the 20s so you know i'm excited and looking forward to to how things sort of move forward i like not gonna lie before i seen your birthday post i was like he's gotta be like 22 23 something in there and, I, and then when i seen your 20 i was like yeah yeah I'm definitely <laughs> one of the youngest guys i mean i started rallying when i was 17 so it's been three years now it, but it's it's nice to see that though because you still have a long career ahead of you probably relying nothing happens between you know during an event or outside an event but you know yeah hopefully 
wood. I stay healthy and, and keep progressing forward in this sport. So, you know, we'll see how things, uh, things move. And like you said, you're one of the younger guys in the championship. You know, Brandon's 32. Tom is, I think, mid-20s or something. I don't know. I've clearly shown I don't guess age well. So, <laughs> yeah, I think you're about right with Tom right there. But, yeah, like all the top guys are older, but they also have way more experience. But you have time to gain that experience, and you have time to gain experience if you want to go compete in the ERC or WRC or – some other national championship. Yeah, a lot of people tend to forget that. They see me and they think that I'm I'm 25, 26, 27, but I, I really only started racing not too long ago. So I'm still sort of learning everything and I'm I'm far from the fastest driver in the field. And I'm I'm not ashamed to admit that because uh you know there's still time for me to learn everything and I'm it's I'm just enjoying the journey so far. It, it's the beard. <laughs> it's the yeah, beard that does it. You no, know, I actually shaved my beard before I came to uh Get where and i saw my face for the first time and i i sort of scared myself every time i walked past the mirror or the camera. i was like what did i do and i said never again am i shaving my beard yeah now i'm terrified to see your picture <laughs> but thankfully i i told when i was getting my hair cut and he shaved my beard i told him to give me some some funny mustache first and they gave me some uh, handlebars and i looked like a clown but you know, yeah never shaved my beard again maybe i'll do it once or twice but I, for now it's staying huh. Yeah, because I'm afraid to see your face, and I'm like, I'm gonna probably say you. You look like you're 17 or. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. When I when I shave my beard, I look like I'm I'm 13. I'm not lying. <laughs> I look very very young. Uh, it, it's funny how facial hair adds 10 years to your age, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I had a mustache when I was in fourth grade. You know, I was always the. I'm not joking. For my fifth grade basketball championship, I told everyone, if you win the championship, I will shave my mustache. And that's the first time I've ever shaved. And ever since then, you know, I just been doing social like crazy. I, I remember when I was a couple of years ago, there was some kid. I, I, I was in like grade six and he was in like grade seven or something. And he had like a full ball mustache. And I was like, huh? <laughs> I, I was one of those kids. One of those kids. <laughs> Now I just sit here with my little mustache that you can't notice because my hair is pretty much white, so it's it's great. <laughs> there you go. Is there anything else you would like to touch on? No, I mean the the last thing I sort of have to add is uh, I want to put a massive thank you out there for for all the sponsors and and my crew who who helped me out this season and and I'm looking forward to the last event to sort of close out everything nicely and. Uh, yeah, without them, none of this would be possible. You know, the green APU, Rottler, Kubota, Action Truck Parts, and and uh, Precision Metal Products, all those guys that helped me out this season. You know, it's a massive thank you to you guys. Without you, it wouldn't be possible, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, without them, none of this happened. So, massive thank you to them. Without this, you aren't sitting here recording a podcast, probably. So. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. But, uh, yeah, so... Congratulations again on winning the RC2 championship and only your third season and your first season in the car. Hopefully you can defend it next year. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, we'll see how next season pans out, but I'm super excited either way. It should be a lot of fun. Yep. Um, thank you for your time as as per usual. Um, lovely time talking to you, especially when I haven't done it since like the beginning of the year. So. Yeah, it was always fun talking to you. So, man, thank you again for having me on. You're listening to the end of this podcast, hosted by Joe Moore, presented by Belly Up Sports. Joining today's episode, Patrick Gruska.